This is an ABC podcast. When I woke up, there was no internet, no phone line, no nothing. So my first thought was Dong San Suji getting assassinated. So I, I panicked. There have been more attacks from military planes on villagers. And we have been tortured in different ways and oppressed. The military has denied killing civilians and they said they are only attacked what they call terrorists. I posted a digital image where I wrote, disobey, do whatever is necessary. But you know, I'm also worried for my safety and it can even affect my family's security. What's it like to live under a military coup? For a year, Burmese journalist Miza has been doing just that. Mostly when Myanmar makes the headlines, it's in the same sentence as the name of the Nobel Peace Prize laureate, Aung San Suu Kyi. In 2015, Suu Kyi won a landslide victory, ending decades of military rule. But last year, the military seized power again and brought the country's transition to democracy to a crushing halt. I'm Iyukiyoki Ranta, and on today's Earshot, we're travelling the streets of the largest city, Yangon, and into the northern states of Myanmar, with young journalist Miza, who's been keeping a diary throughout the coup. February 1st. Her first entry is from the day of the coup, February 1st, 2021, when Miza decides to return to live in her family home, where she feels safer than being on her own. And just a heads up, there's a little bit of strong language in this story. Even on my way to, to my home, but uh, I saw lots of people on the street. People are at the uh, queuing at the ATM or at the bank, and also at the shops, and little shop, food shop, restaurants. So I feel like, oh, okay, they also are really uh, panic. They are doing panic buying, and maybe my father would do the same or something like that. So he started talking because me and my brother asked him. Of course, before this time, we also asked him about 1988, but not really in D-Day, because he's in his teenager in the 1988, and he also already have the experience about it, and he participated in the protest. So on that day, we asked him in D-Day enthusiastically. In the past, we don't really excited about asking those questions in D-Day. So he started telling that the history is repeated again. In Bangkok, Burmese students protested against the military regime as the voting took place. They've fled the country during the fierce army crackdown on dissent. But according to reports from Yangon Radio, many have infiltrated across the border and are now underground back in Myanmar. This is an example of how the Burmese military neglects its people. This is a crime against humanity. They're trying to kill their own people. Protests aren't a new thing in Myanmar. In 1988, there was a student uprising against the military. And then in 2007, protests over fuel subsidies grew into a movement against the generals and their policy of oppression. Those demonstrations, led by monks, were dubbed the Saffron Revolution. 
both were followed by a bloody crackdown. But the Burmese people never gave up their fight for democracy and peace. Finally, in 2015, Aung San Suu Kyi's NLD party came to power in a sweeping landslide election, ending 50 years of military rule in Myanmar. And people thought that finally, protests were a thing of the past. They couldn't have imagined that less than a decade on, they'd have to take to the streets again. Myanmar's military moved in before dawn with coordinated raids in cities and regions. Their main target was the country's leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, followed by other senior government figures. Rumours of a post-election coup had been brewing for days, and as soldiers took to the streets around Myanmar's major cities, the military confirmed it would seize power for the next 12 months. In order to scrutinise the voter lists, the nation's governance is handed over to the commander-in-chief. I think the techniques of graffiti became really useful in this revolution. Like, like we planted the seeds and now we're sowing the benefits. Like Mizar, Bart, a popular young Burmese graffiti artist, was also shocked and confused by the events of February 1st, 2021. And when I woke up, there was no internet, no phone line, no nothing. So my first thought was, Dong San Suji getting assassinated. So I, I panicked and I ran upstairs and I asked my mom like what happened and she said there was a coup. I was relieved because there was not an assassination. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the, that morning was eerie. Bart is just 25 years old. He's part of Generation Z, meaning that unlike older generations, he grew up with a taste for democracy. For decades, Myanmar had been shut off from the rest of the world. But when the National League for Democracy, the NLD, came to power, the country began to open up. Bart was able to study abroad, and he returned to Yangon with new ideas, ready to break rules and challenge beliefs. I think humour is my weapon. And I always say that because I think it's better to make fun of someone than just bash them verbally, you know? It's, hate is mild compared to getting laughed at. So I think laughing at people is the best way to punish them or make them feel, you know, bad. And uh, I think Burmese people always had sense of humor because uh, we had to cope with all these bullshit all these years, like six decades, and we needed that sense of humor to get by. I started a poster slash print series when I was in college. I think it was third year. Uh, the series is called Old Dirty Bastards. And he isn't afraid to poke fun at the military through his art including one he created that featured Myanmar's former leader and hard man, General Ne Win. I think one of the first ones was General Ne Win with the lyrics from Kanye West's song, uh, Famous. And the, the, the line says, I made that bitch famous because Ne Win plays uh, Dong San Suu Kyi under house arrest and then she became famous and she got Nobel Prize and so forth. So I think that was hilarious. 
February 1st, on the morning of the coup, Yangon sounded like this. Everything was quiet. The silence was weird because on a normal day, Yangon is usually really noisy. Bears ringing of trainshaw drivers, fruit sellers, street vendors, traffic. Yangon has its own sounds. The military detained leader of Sensuji and said she illegally imported walkie-talkies. She hasn't been seen since then, only appearing in military courts. Politicians from her political party, journalists, poets, filmmakers, and even a reggae singer has been detained. After um, spending a few days of the first protest, uh, more people got awareness and they feel more comfortable on the street and they realize that we have to ask for our rights by ourselves. But the interesting point is, my f I, I think that my father would prohibit to stop protesting on the street, but actually he didn't, you know. So I asked, why, Daddy, why don't you uh, stop me going outside and protesting? Because other people's parents, uh, especially my best friend's parents, my, yeah, they don't allow her children to go outside and protest and participate. But uh, my father didn't do that and I am really surprised. Why don't you stop me? And he said that he also included and participate in a protest at his time. So no worry about and just do what you believe. So I keep doing what I believe. And like our diarist Mizar, when he realised a military coup had taken place in Yangon, the graffiti artist also hit the streets, taking his weapon of choice with him, his art. Since the beginning of the coup, the, f uh, the 1st of February, I think... Visual artists were the first people to respond to the coup with various artworks. Uh, I posted a digital image uh, where I wrote disobey in graffiti tag and I just put it up for my profile picture but it got a lot of shares. Uh, people put it up as their profile pictures and after a couple of days people started writing on the streets and people started writing on their signs and stuff like that. So we, we were the first people to say like, no, fuck that, disobey, you know, uh, do whatever is necessary. And the protests are not just in major cities, but throughout the whole country. In Lake Inlet, in Shan State, people protest on their boats, showing a three-finger sign. Not just one boat, but lots of boats gather on the lake, and rowers hold up a three-finger salute. This kind of salute actually came from the film The Hunger Games, which is really famous among Gen Z. The main characters in the movie raise their fingers against the governor, whereas in Myanmar, the protesters raise their fingers against the military. It's their symbol of resistance. 8 March, the Women's Longji protest. It was International Women's Day. Women has been at the front of the protest. It has been one of the most inspiring things about these protests. 
Longi is a Burmese word for skirt, and these skirts were attached to the barricades as a sign of female power. Uh, yeah, so I'm Kim and I am 32 years old. Well, we did have International Women's Day, and so at that time, uh, a lot of women groups started to walk on those longi as a flag to wave our longi flag to fight against patriarchal military. Which made the military angry. They really didn't want to touch those skirt barricades. They thought the longi was spiritual. They were afraid of it. So one man used a stick to collect them all in one place. So, like, different actors came and involved in our longi campaign. Like, different kind of, you know, actors started to realise that Longji is not dirty and it was just, you know, propaganda and brainwashed by the system. On the streets of Myanmar, turning out to protest has become a dice with death. But for young people, it's a risk they say they need to take. 20 March. The bloody crackdown on protesters. This meant the protest movement changed. The moment everyone was scared of happened. The military crackdown. I feel like they targeted young people, the youth in their teenager years. One of the first women protesters shot was a 19 years old student on March 4th. Her nickname was Angel. Before she got the headshot, she only had the Coca-Cola bottle in her hand and there is no weapon in her hand at all. Only a drink bottle. On that morning, I saw the picture that her daddy, her father, gave a blessing to her before she went off to the start the protest to do the protesting. This is also really heartbreaking. It motivates more people to go outside and protest for their own rights. The young protester Angel, or Carl Sin, wrote her blood type on Facebook and requested that should she die, her organs be donated. This was such a jarring detail. Who at that age makes those kinds of plans and has come to terms with the idea that they may be killed during protests? Six months after the coup that shocked the world, Myanmar is in turmoil. Definitely, we're moving into a phase where civil war is very, very possible. Hundreds have been killed and thousands arrested. But the people of Myanmar are not giving up. A new political force is emerging, fighting for a true democracy. There's a belief in Myanmar of Pone which means a male spirit. And some men believe that it can be affected by a woman if she's menstruating, because her body is dirty. And whether men believe this or not, females in Myanmar are treated differently. Mainly, uh, I was treated very uh, different with uh, like my brothers. For example, they all can ride the bicycle, but I can. <laughs> it is all because of the concept that I am the youngest girl and I should be protected by the family uh, and the my brothers. So with that kind of thinking, I 
totally like kind of skills that I should have and uh, in my you know, younger age, but I couldn't. So also bicycle and motorcycle so that I, uh, I could enjoy riding them uh, when I was younger. I did not have that skills that just because I am younger. And also when it's come to, you know, the puberty age in Myanmar culture, as we always say that uh, menstruation is uh, dirty, we always believe that when I was younger. So having zero information from the family, it did happen and it was kind of, you know, difficult to deal myself what's going on on my body. I did not have any information, but the family suddenly controlled me more than before. Women like Kin are calling for justice, and when democracy is restored, they want equal rights for everyone. There must be gender equality. Women in you know industrial zones, they they got very low pay job, and maybe they earn just two dollar per day, but they even you know sacrifice that income to join the revolution. So they all just all leave their you know daily income routine and they just joined to the revolution. It is all about to, you know, get rid of the detectors and the military in Myanmar. So we have been suffering over 60 years and 70 years already. And we have been tortured in different ways. Uh, different generations have been oppressed and experienced very brutal uh, acts uh, performed by military. So we don't want them anymore. We really don't want them to take power. So we just, the spirit still going on is all because we really don't like to go back to the previous decades. We have been living with no hopes. Since Myanmar's military seized power in a coup five months ago, the country's been in a downward spiral. There's been ongoing violence from security forces cracking down on dissent. Around 900 people have died, thousands have been injured, and several thousand have been thrown in jail. All of that political instability has led to ongoing strikes, job losses, schools and hospitals closing, and rising cases of COVID-19. And because of all of that, people are going hungry. As the fallout from the coup continues and the COVID-19 cases rise, donations from Australia and other countries will only become more important. July 23rd. It suddenly got worse than I expected. COVID-19 cases exploded. There are massive shortage of oxygen. Local media reported police opening fire on people lining up for oxygen. And doubters helping people in their homes who are protesting against working in government hospitals has been detained. And also we have natural disasters. There are monsoon floods. 
people who are too weak to move in their homes with COVID are carried by men in their bed through the floodwaters to safety. My temperatures were really high and I felt no energy. My father also got COVID. I don't go outside, but I feel really stressed. After four weeks, I started to feel a bit better and get my energy back. At the end of August, I have recovered and I can walk again. Right now, things are trying to continue like normal in the streets. Around this time, Mizar noticed another journalist bravely reporting in one of the country's most isolated regions. His name is Kosalai. He lives in the west of the country, closer to India, in Sagayan Division. In this area, there are a lot of mountains. It's difficult to travel, and Kosalai is disabled. But he doesn't let that stop him. No, I was born in Chin State. When I was young, they gave me the wrong injection, so I got damage to my leg. Kosalai is leaning on a crutch, wearing a press media shirt, and with his other hand, he's taking photographs. And given his press shirt offers no security, he's risking his life to cover this coup. Military shoots at citizens as they want. They want citizens to do nothing. But I must raise the voice of citizens to get democracy. When I was on the ground reporting, I did any interviews I could. I mainly take photos for records. If I do video interview, identity of people are really obvious and they don't want to reveal. I focus more on taking news photographs. I first research the path that protesters will march on the day and go ahead there and stand by. Kosalai has written articles in the local newspaper about what this moment means in Myanmar, this fighting for a new type of democracy. Many people in ethnic areas like this one felt they weren't included in Aung San Suu Kyi's party. So they're hoping that when a new democracy is restored, their ethnic voices will be heard too. If the country gets federal democracy, it is for all citizens. Myanmar is a country home to diverse ethnic people. If an ethnic region is strong, the whole country will also be strong. If the country is good, ethnic people will gain its profit too. It's same, same. This is January 20, 2022. It's nearly one year since we are living with a coup. A lot has changed beyond my imagination. There have been more attacks from military planes on villagers. The military has denied killing civilians and they said they are only attacked what they call terrorists. Hundreds of thousands of people, including journalists and my friends, have fled to the border with Thailand, and many are hiding in the jungle. Some of my friends has got visa to move to Thailand and walk, but actually this also means a brain drain for our own country. For me, I'm still walking in Yangon, 
But you know, I'm also worried for my safety and it can even affect my family's security. But to keep my spirit high, I find strength from people fighting for the freedom against their fear of death. Returning to our top story, in Myanmar's shadow government have called for a people's uprising against the military junta that seized power in February. From 7th September 2021, we launched a people's defensive war against the military junta. We will recognize all those who sacrificed their lives and possessions in this revolution as the country's heroes. A more deadly resistance to the military is now forming. A people's defense force. Young people from around the country are gathering in border regions to take up arms, to return to attack the military in the towns and cities of Myanmar. In a dramatic escalation, they're assassinating police, military and their informers. It's a year since the coup in Myanmar and the protest movement in response to the military junta's violence, has moved beyond humour and street rallies. A resistance movement has mobilised, with dozens of so-called People's Defence Forces, or PDFs, using guerrilla-like tactics, bombings, ambushes and assassinations against the military regime. In November, the International Crisis Group described the situation in Myanmar as a spiral of violence. And if the recent history of this country is anything to go by, then the people of Myanmar will not give up their struggle for democracy easily. A year in the life of a coup was written by Yangon-based journalist Miza, with Libby Hogan and Lynn Gallagher. The sound engineer was Tim Simons. I'm Miyuki Okiranta. This is Earshot on Radio National. And join me again next time when we'll meet people around the world who are protecting, conserving and growing seeds for our food futures. I'll catch you then. This, this is all different, different seed from different, different from different, different country and different, different places and that. All native seed and uh, all, the, all, all the Aboriginal from different, different outstations bought a lot of these seeds in, in, in the flower drum. We'd load up a, a four-wheel drive troopie and the grandmas would go out and we would harvest those using a tarp around a tree and using tennis rackets to get the seeds out of the tree and then bringing them back to the nursery to, to do the, the drying process. And so we put them all in the bag with their name and also their skin name and so, and then where they come from, what tribe and what, what, what area their seed come from, different, different areas. There's some from Black Soil country, there's some from uh, from the hilly country and then some from the desert and then and some from sandy country. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.